I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. What is going on, everybody? And welcome to the Saturday edition of the Stochastic NHL Strategy Show. I'm your host, Josh Harris. Got the internet fixed. It was really bugging out. Uh, Thursday at the end of the show there. Got to fix. Look, looking clear here. Um, lips are a little blue. It's okay. I'm breathing. Uh, it's blueberries. But joining me, as always, Slim Cliffy. We didn't coordinate, you know, like wrestling sweaters or something. But, you know, we're in gear. What's going on? <laughs> uh, not a whole lot. Um, was fr- frustrated with uh, the NHL provider I have up here. I was blacked out of the vancouver detroit game and vancouver's uh by air travel is over four thousand kilometers which is about 2500 miles away from here i thought it was weird to have a regional blackout basically the span of the uh, continental united states (laughs) from where i am um so i ended up watching that a little bit of that flames islanders game full day of hockey um I mean, you got to love that. Uh, love when we have uh, full slates like this. Um, even like a late afternoon game, Boston plays late afternoon. You got an early, early-ish Florida game just after supper, Eastern time. Um, so lots of hockey all day long. But seven interesting games tonight because five of the 14 teams are returning from their bye week. Um, not all the teams came back right after the All-Star break. Uh, it was Columbus, Ottawa, Seattle, Nashville and Los Angeles that still um, were uh, making their way back from their bye. So first games for those teams today, see what those look like. But uh, (laughs) there are some high totals on some of them. So uh, we definitely have to consider them at the very least. There's some good news and there's some bad news with the bye weeks, right? The good news is the Sharks haven't been on any slates until the middle of next week. The bad news is the Sharks will be on next week's slate coming off like a 48-day bye. So. That could be a scene. We also have MMA today, 4 o'clock, uh, 14 fight card. I have a quick picks video up on my Twitter. Also have a link down, or you can go through the chat if you want. Um, you can go and get those MMA sims if you haven't already. It's going to be pretty sweet. Next week is a really good pay-per-view card, but lots of lots of sports I'll be watching tonight. Uh, let's get into this seven gamer before we do. Once again, just wanted to say thank you guys so much for the support. Over the past month and a half with your super chats, with your affiliate signups, sharing the video, liking the video, talking shit. Well, I mean, anything really helps. There's no such thing as bad publicity. Uh, we really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, drop the link in the chat there. If you're looking to go premium, any sport, any subscription, there is a uh, 25% off PGA right now if you use promo code BIRDIE, if you are a PGA player. You can check out the Sims of 25% off, so check that out. Let's get into this seven gamer. Big fan of seven gamers. I don't know why, but it's just seven. New Jersey Devils with a 2.9 total heading into Carolina. The Hurricanes have a 3.6. Svechnikov should be back. Auntie Ranta out for a while. Sucks that he's hurt, but that might not be the worst thing for the Hurricanes. 
They need a goalie. Both these teams need goalies, honestly. And if we're being honest, I'm not a GM. The trade deadline is coming up in a few weeks. One of these teams should trade for Jacob Markstrom. That's just my opinion. And he has a no trade. But then you let you you let Dustin Wolf take over the – we don't have time for that rant. But I kind of like this game, and there's not much ownership on it. Uh, Svetlankov should slide in with Aho and Teravainen. Teravainen's been on a, an assist tear lately. He, he's been over a point-per-game player over the past few weeks, I think. forget the exact stat. I could be wrong there, but – I do like Carolina one here there. So with the line matching, it's a bit interesting because they might run into that Nico Heischer line a bit. Cause I'm not sure who the stall line is going to go out against. Probably Jack Hughes. I don't know because that Heischer line has been fuego. Like that Heischer line has been insanely good. So I don't know. Only Rod the bod knows, but I, I do like Carolina one here. Um, they're coming in like 5.6%, and then that stall line is coming in at 5.1% with Jarvis on it. I'd much rather just play Carolina 1 there. Um, you want to go back to Martin Neches, who had a hat trick? Go for it. But they're coming in wildly over-leveraged. I, Carolina 1, positively leveraged, fully correlated. They have a good matchup, good 5-on-5 five -five matchup unless they run into the Easter line, a good power play matchup. So in on Carolina one, Devil side's kind of interesting because we always talk about, it, right, if the Carolina Hurricanes just got anywhere decent goaltending, they win games. They just haven't been getting it. Now Ronta's hurt. Kochekov hasn't been great. Freddie Anderson isn't back yet. So there's not much ownership on the Hughes line at 3.6%. The Nico Heischer line at 2.1%. The Heischer line has been incredible with, with Plot and Bratt. Um, I don't even mind going there because, like, assuming the stall line goes out against Hughes, which is what I would do if I was the coach, I don't know if that's just short-sighted or not. That would leave a decent matchup for the Heischer line, 15-9. I don't know if I get there in 1-3. to three. But uh, they would definitely be in my MME portfolio. So Carolina one and the Hughes and the Heischer one. Yeah, Carolina one, uh, certainly. Um, they did run power plays this morning, thankfully. Carolina did. Um, obviously, Steshnikov joining the top unit. It, they're not going to be fully correlated, though. They're leaving, oh, Michael, Bunting. Yeah, they're leaving Michael Bunting up there, uh, Bunting and Jarvis. So only you only get two out of the three, but... I mean, Sveshnikov is is the important one, right? Um, we yeah. talked about it uh, a lot on this show, how much he needs to the power play. The power play generates 30% more shots when Sveshnikov has been there this season versus um, out of the lineup. So you take a New Jersey penalty kill that's really not – they're not that good. Like, they're not a bad penalty kill. They're, like, we have seen some bad penalty kills. We'll talk about one in the very next game, I imagine. Um they're not that, but they're not anything to be worried about, especially with the goaltending that they've been getting. Um, New Jersey doesn't take a ton of penalties. Carolina's been drawing a decent amount of power plays, though. They're at 3.7 minor penalties drawn per game over the last uh, eight weeks. So um, they're getting their fair share of power play time. Um, Sveshnikov back is big for them. I imagine they're going to – Sveshnikov is going to end up going out against Hitcher. Um, 
they kept uh, the Ajo line away um, away from Hisher the last time they were there, but Jack Hughes was injured. And I, I like I got to think that they put him out, put out stall against against Jack Hughes and Toffoli. But the thing is, is like the Hisher line, like for as good they have been tremendous offensively, and we'll talk about New Jersey in a second. But they're de- like the defensive numbers aren't like incredible. Like two point seven expected goals against in one hundred and eighty minutes for that uh, Hisher line, that's below average. Um, if you look at league-wide expected goals against numbers. And obviously, because of how bad their goaltending is, the goals against numbers are even worse than that. So it's not re- even if they run into his year, it's it's not a great, like, elite matchup or anything, but it's nothing to be really that worried about. Uh, the Carolina top line with Sveshnikov there, three and a half goals uh, per 60 minutes. Sveshnikov hadn't been shooting a lot. That was something that that really concerns me. His last 20 games, he has 52 shots. You know, two and a half shots per game for Andrei Sveshnikov is really not that good. Uh, you definitely like to see him shooting more. Um, but you mentioned, like, there's not a ton of ownership, 5.6% on that top line. Like, even if that comes up to, like, 7 8 9%, I, I think that's perfectly fine when you're facing this New Jersey goaltending. And like you said, Carolina is a 3.6 total. Um, second highest on the board here tonight, and it's them in Tampa Bay, and then everybody else is quite a ways below. So, yeah, I, I really do like Carolina 1. Carolina too, yes, they're coming in with a lot of ownership. Um, I still think there are merits to playing. I think you you can one-off all three guys for three different reasons, right? Like Natchez, like that guy's been on an absolute tear since he came back, 35 shots. It's like averaging five shots a game in seven games since he came back. Um, obviously, at that first period, natural hat trick in the last game. Michael Bunting's on the top power play unit. Jack Drury is a, is a really cheap center that is projecting extremely well here tonight. So um, I think there are reasons to one-off any of them. I don't think I would full stack them. I think if I'm full stacking anything, it's Carolina one. I mean, on the New Jersey side, assuming that Hughes, Hughes, Toffoli, and Holtz um, do see that stall matchup that kind of takes me out of Jack Hughes a little bit, um, that line has just been tremendous defensively. Uh, um, you know, almost regardless, but even better without, you know, Jesper Fast, like maybe he's taking a step back, like they've been better with Seth, with Seth Jarvis there. So not in so much on the Hughes line. The Hisher line, as you said, has been really, really good offensively. Um, four expected goals, 5.4 actual goals per 60 minutes in their 180 minutes together. Um, Jesper Brad, 36 shots in his last 10 games. They'll probably see a fair bit of that Carolina uh, top line, which you know, league average by expected goals against numbers. So it's not a brutal matchup. And then you have the Carolina goaltender, like Kochekov got pulled the other night and then they had, they put him back in um, after Ronta got hurt. So uh, like <laughs> they're running out of goaltenders and it's not like Kochekov has been anything special. What kind of worries me is like, I don't know, like I watched that New Jersey Carolina game. It's one thing to look at the numbers for Carolina's penalty kill and the penalty kill numbers are great. It's another thing to watch them. Like they do not give you a half second to breathe at any point in time. And New Jersey's, a lot of New Jersey's damage this season has come on the power play. Um, so if the power play can't get there, they have to do it at five on five. And obviously with Kochekov being very iffy in net, they can get there. Um, but I think I agree that I would go to the Hisher line. It's not, if I'm playing New Jersey, I don't think I'm playing New Jersey here tonight, but that would be the line that I would go to. Only 2.1% ownership. They've been playing extremely well. You know, it is a tough line against Stahl. 
this is still a very good offensive line and they, you know, they only need to generate six, seven, eight shots to get two or three goals uh, against this Carolina goaltending. So um, I'm fine with playing the history line, but it is the Aho line. I like best in this game by a lot. The one caveat, I agree. The one caveat I will say with the history line, Brett Pesci's game time decision. If Tony D'Angelo is in again, uh, the Hughes line is going to see the top pair matchups. You might see Nico Heischer get an occasional matchup against the Tony D'Angelo pairing, and he just sucks. So uh, I honestly wonder, even if D'Angelo dresses, I'm wondering if they don't like pretty much just go to five defensemen because they like. I know like Colorado's different from New Jersey. Like even when the second and third and fourth lines for Colorado were out, they were skating circles around them. Like they can't afford with the way Carolina's goaltending is, they can't afford to have you know, D'Angelo pretty much be a, a, a pylon on the ice. Like, and I'm, that's why, like, even if Pesci's out, I think they end up just rotating five defensemen pretty much. Yeah, Tony D played 13 minutes on uh, Thursday, and he got power play two time, and Carolina had a bunch of power plays. So he probably played, like, 38 seconds at even strength. So, yeah. Tampa Bay Lightning with a 3.7 total heading into Columbus. The Blue Jackets have a 2.9 total. Blue Jackets coming off their bye. They are going with Boone Jenner with Chinnikov and Johnny Gaudreau. Marchenko with Vonkarov and Kent Johnson. Sillinger with Rosovic and Texier. Tampa going with Kucherov, Point, and Stamkos. Hagel, Sorelli, and Paul. And then Esmont, Mont, and Shiri. That line, Esmont, Mont, and Shiri, 7% projected ownership because they're 7,800. I mean, I don't think you need to full stack that, but like, I don't even think you, you know, one offing a, a 7% Esmont <laughs> seems bad for your health. But um, highest top two stack total on the board is Tampa 1, 36.9%, 15.1% projected ownership, very high positive leverage here. It's a very good five on five matchup. It is a very good power play matchup. And Columbus is coming off their bye. So, like, what do you really want to say about Tampa 1 here? I think they're in a great spot. I think they're a great offensive line. If you can fit them, you, you can play them. You know, if they're your guys, you play your guys. I don't care about the ownership. They have positive leverage. Now, <clears throat> you want to go to Tampa 2 as a filler. I think that ownership is a bit worrisome, almost 10% on that line. Like I know you like you're a huge Brandon Hagel fan, and you know Sorelli's been better, and Paul's on the top power play, but Paul is legit just like a guy on that power play. He does nothing. So like, I don't think you need to go to that line. You want to go to Sorelli Hagel for the five on five? That's fine. But like Kucherov points, Stamkos fully correlated. That line is just pure gasoline. So I'm in on Tampa one, not so much on the other ones on the Columbus side. Don't really love the Jenner, Chinnikov, Gaudreau line. Like, Gaudreau just is having a bad season. I, I do like the Ken Johnson line. They are coming in negatively leveraged at 3.9%. Like, if you watch Columbus hockey, and I'm not sure why you would outside of being a Columbus Blue Jackets fan, I have watched some, unfortunately. The two players that do stick out every time I watch them is Marchenko and Jenner, and uh, Johnson. So they're on the line together. You can play them as a filler. Like Tampa's just not great defensively. I know the, the Hagel, Sorelli, Paul line 
is better. Like Sorelli and Hagel numbers are so much better without Stamkos, but I doubt they're going to see a ton of the Marchenko, Johnson, Vonkaroff line. So I don't mind Columbus two as a filler, but this is a Tampa one game for me. Yeah, we'll start with the chalky side. I mean, they're not even, well, some of it's chalky. We'll start with the Tampa side. Um, that Tampa top line, we, we had talked quite a bit, like when they put Stamkos up there this season, like they're generating quite a bit, but they weren't scoring. That's kind, That started to turn itself around. Um, just since Christmas, um, 3.6 goals per 60 minutes uh, at five on five. So they've definitely started uh, to fill the net a, a little bit more. Um you know, Kucherov still kind of doing his thing. 22 shots in his last five games. Like, the guy's just not really slowing down. It's a really, really good power play spot. Like, um, before we went to the All-Star break, we were talking about how the Columbus penalty kill had really taken a dive, basically, since, like, the middle of December um, after the injuries to Sean Corrales and Boone Jenner. So, so I went and looked at the Columbus penalty kill numbers in the six games since they got Boone Jenner back. Um think it's 24th by shot attempts against and 30th by goals against per minute um, while shorthanded. They've given up six um, power play goals against in the six games since Boone Jenner's gotten back. So it's not like the penalty kill's really been all that much better. That's why, like, if I'm playing Tampa tonight, I like, don't get me wrong. I get going to, like, I wrote Mikey Essimont up in the article today. I wanted to see him on the second line like he was last game. Um, he's back down on the third line. That kind of sucks. I, I get wanting to play those second and third lines. You know, Brandon Hagel's got seven points in his last five games. Like, I'm going to be, like, we talk about underrated players all the time. I honestly think Brandon Hagel's the, the most underrated player in the league, and it's because he's on a team with Kutrop, Point, Stamkos, um, and Hedman, and Vasilevsky, and, and all those guys. So, uh, like, I get going to them, but, like, you were talking about Nick Paul. Paul and Sorelli just have bad offensive numbers together, and it doesn't matter. And the thing is, is, like, they're so bad offensively together. Not even Brandon Hagel can save them. Like <laughs> they're not, they're not in minutes together. Two point three expected goals per sixty minutes uh, with Nick Paul on the wing, and the the offensive numbers aren't any better. Whether you put Stamkos there or whether you put, um, you know, I think Connor Sheary spent some time up there. I think you know even Nikita Kucherov has found his way to that line at times um, when they, you know, moved him away from Braden Point. It just uh, hasn't mattered. Like they just don't have good offensive numbers together. Like. Paul is good at creating offense kind of on his own. Like he is a big physical guy that can kind of get to the net, but he's not like a great playmaker or anything like that. He can't play with those elite players. That's, that's just why they don't sustain any offense. So out on Tampa two, I'm out on Tampa three. Like if you want to one off some guys, if you want to, you know, if you're playing super expensive Edmonton later or whatever, and you want to play them like, yeah, like Tampa has a huge total. Um, I just think if I'm playing Tampa Bay here tonight, I'm playing the power play guys. I'm going into that top line. I'm not worried about the Boone Jenner matchup. Um, Chinnikov and Godro so far this season, 2.8 expected goals against. I don't think Jenner's going to help that much. Um, you know, like I said, the Tampa top line has really come alive offensively. So if I'm playing anything, if I'm full stacking a line in this game, it's Tampa one. Um, if you want to take off one of the guys and put on Paul to save some money, like, like for a power play stack, like you can do that, but it is Tampa one, um, that I would play just because I think this in particular, it's the power play matchup that's appealing to me, um, on the Columbus side, like, yeah, I agree with you. I don't have any interest in that, in that Jenner, um, Chinnikov, Chinnikov, Godro line. 
they're not coming in with much ownership, two to three percent, and I think that's fine. And the thing is, is like they are returning from their buy, so I'm not expecting them to have a good game here tonight. But they will be matched up against that Stamkos Kucherov line, and they are bad defensively. 3.6 expected goals against, 3.6 actual goals against per 60 minutes. Kucherov and Point just have not been good defensively this season. I think it's because they need them to carry the offense, but it doesn't matter. Almost basically anybody but Brandon Hagel, and they have bad defensive numbers. Um, so it is a good matchup for that Columbus top line. If this if this were a week from now and Columbus had two or three games under them, I would honestly be considering playing them. I just worry coming off the bye week, they're not really like that low, like 2.8% against a 3.2% top two stack percentage. Like it's not really that great a leverage or anything. I think they're fine. But if I'm, again, if, if I'm playing anything from the Columbus side, it is that second line. Like Kent Johnson and Voronkov are only at 60 minutes together, but 76 shot attempts, 3.6 expected goals per 60 before the break. Um, they're all on the top power play unit together. Um, Marchenko has 29 shots in his last 10 games. I wrote up Voronkov uh, in the picks article today, uh, free to read over at stochastic.com. 1.23 goals per 60 minutes leads rookies um, points per 60 just behind Connor Bedard, 94th percentile uh, expected goals rate individually, 82nd percentile goals rate. Like he's very, very, very good at getting to the net. And that can help open up some space for a shooter like Marchenko or a playmaker like Johnson. Um, with Nick Paul on that Tampa Bay second line, like I'm not super concerned. Uh, they do have good defensive numbers, but I'm not super concerned about the Columbus second line being able to generate it's just again it's one of those things where they are coming in with a little bit of negative leverage 3.9 percent against 1.2 percent top two stack there it's off the bye week um you know tampa bay lost sergachev but that's more of a loss on offense than a loss on defense like i i, I if i'm playing columbus tonight it is the second line that i would prefer but it's tampa bay top line like that is just one of my favorite lines on the entire slate that and that graded super well so it's tampa one for me um out of this game more than anything yeah same i mean i don't know if i'm gonna get to columbus i am always a bit leery when these teams are coming off buys and there's teams on more than half the slate has gotten a game under their belt i always i always worry about these bi-week team especially bad teams like columbus let's talk about another bad team toronto maple leafs with a 3.5 total heading into ottawa the senators have a 3.1 which bad team am i talking about they both suck so <sighs> ottawa another team coming off the bye jake sanderson's out ottawa's lines are just a mess it's kachuk batherson and norris why spongebob why stutzla drew Joseph, fine, whatever. Pinto, Tarasenko, Grieg. I like that one. So, like, it's the, the lines aren't a mess. Josh Norris is just out of place, is, is what I should just say. Um, thing is, like, Norris, Batherson, Kachuk going out against Matthews, Marner, Knees, 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 Fly My Kite, however you pronounce it. Like, they're they're good defensively but they're not great you know they they're about league average i really don't want to play josh norris here so you you go to that second line stutzel drew joseph they're going down going out against Tavares, nylander bertuzzi and when bertuzzi's on that second line with Tavares, they have very good defensive numbers so i don't know don't 
particularly love the second line. I think I don't mind the Pinto Tarasenko Grieg line as a filler. Twelve thousand one hundred one point eight percent projected ownership. Like the bottom six of the Leafs, that third line: Robertson, Domi, Gregor. It's not awful, but like where you take advantage of the Leafs is in that bottom six and at that goaltending. And you know, Pinto Tarasenko Grieg, pretty good third line. Don't mind them as a filler. Again, they're coming off their bye. They're not a great team. It makes me nervous. Toronto is not coming off their bye, and we saw them humming like a hummingbird. I don't know what they. I don't know what hums other than hummingbirds, but like their ownership reflects in it, right? Nylander, Tavares, Bertuzzi, 18 20.1% projected ownership. Like at 20%, I'd rather just spend the extra 5K and save the 5% ownership and go play Tampa 1. Uh, I think what you can do here, honestly, is some sort of power play stack. I think you can go like Matthews, Marner, Nylander, Tavares, Matthews, Marner, something along those lines, right? This is a very, very good power play spot. It's a very good power play spot, honestly, on both sides. Like the least penalty kill sucks too. It's like I guess you could power play stack the Sens, and I'm sorry that my mind is going back and forth from the teams, but like that's just how my my brain works, and you're just gonna have to deal with it. But I think this is a Leafs game, and I think in order to get lower ownership in a high ownership game, you take a power play stack. And even if all three of the guys come in at 15%, that specific combo is going to be lower owned. So I think power play stacking on Toronto is the way to go. My favorite even strength line to stack on Ottawa is the Pinto line, but I think you can pick and choose some power play guys from the Sens. I just don't love it. Both, but both these teams suck. <laughs> I mean, that, yeah, that's, that's one way of putting it. I'm wondering how the line matching is going to work out because um, we haven't seen these particular line combinations a yeah. lot this year. And I feel like with Stutzla, Giroux, and Joseph, they might go out against the Matthews line. That that Like, seeing those three names together tells me, like, I think that that line is going to go out against Matthews, and then they'll use Norris, Kachuk, and Batherson um, against the second and third lines. Like, I don't imagine they That's put Matthews, Joseph with Tim Stutzla, and then, you know, don't use them as a shutdown line. <clears throat> moreover, I, I just, I, it's 21 games now under Jacques Martin. Surely to hell he's figured out. You cannot match Josh Norris up against Austin Matthews. I don't think he's figured it out. <laughs> maybe he has. <laughs> I don't think so. Like, maybe not. Um, I guess we'll find out tonight. The nice thing is, is like with Ottawa coming off their bye, I'm not as concerned about the matchups as I would be. Cause honestly, like Stutzler Giroux and Joseph, not a huge sample, but pretty good defensive numbers together, as you would expect. 52 shot attempts against, 1.8 expected goals against per 60 uh, in over 90 minutes together. Um, that's a line that I would expect to be pretty good defensively, and it's a line that I, would, I wouldn't I would avoid because it's a good power play matchup against Ottawa no matter what. But it, it, it would give me a little bit of pause. Like, with them coming off their bye, like, I don't have nearly as much concern. Um I'm not playing Ottawa here tonight. <laughs> like that's just straight up. Like I, I, I get wanting to go to some of the power play guys, but they've also split up their power play guys as well, right? Like um, Tim Stutzla is on the quote top power play unit, while Kachuk and Norris are quote on the second power play unit. Um, those are guys that have typically played a lot together on the power play this season. Um, you know, with Jake Sanderson now, you're probably going to have Shabbat on one unit and, and then Chickren on the other. Like, 
it seems like to me like they're going to run two even power play units. Um, Stutzla, Tarasenko, Batherson, and probably Kubalik uh, on one. And then Kachuk, Giroux, Pinto, and Norris on the other. So you get Kachuk and Norris uh, on one power play unit. And, you know, the least penalty kill has just fallen apart. Like bottom five in the league bad um, over the last like six weeks, basically. Uh, so it's not a bad power play spot for Ottawa. I just don't like them, you know, having 10 days off and then having to play the Leafs and the Leafs have gotten some legs under them. So I'm not, I don't like these line combinations offensively anyway. Um, like I'm not someone that's running out to play, um, Josh Norris at seven, eight, nine percent or whatever. So, um, if, if I were to play anything from Ottawa, it would honestly be that Norris line. Like I don't like them as a line, but they have decent offensive numbers together. Um, 65 shot attempts, 2.6 expected goals per 60, you know, two out of the three guys on the top power play unit. But like Norris has 28 shots in 14 games. Like this is a guy averaging, this is a guy playing prime minutes with all of Ottawa's top stars. And he's managing two shots a game. Like that's all he does too is shoot. He has no playmaker. <laughs> it's like this, this isn't, this isn't a Robert Thomas who's like an elite playmaker or whatever. Like Josh Norris is literally there to do nothing but shoot and score goals. And he's doing neither. So um, I'm out on Ottawa. I'm in on Toronto. What talks about Toronto is they're just coming in with a ton of ownership, right? Uh, that second line coming in at 20% ownership. Uh, the Nylander, Tavares, Bertuzzi line, uh, the first line at 13%, Matthews, Marner, nice. Um, I wrote up Toronto too uh, in the picks article, again, free to read um, over at stochastic.com. Um, the big problem with, with the Tavares line was Tavares' finishing, right? Um, 46 games into the season, he was shooting 7%. This is a guy who'd never shot below 10% in any season of his career in a three-year average of 12%. Um but he has goal, he has goals in three straight games. Uh, that line is up to, uh, I think it was like 3.1 uh, goals per 60 uh, since Christmas. Um, not bad offensive numbers. I, I do think they avoid Stutzla. But I think my favorite thing in this entire game is just the Toronto power play stack. Uh, Ottawa, not a disciplined team. 3.8 times shorthanded per game over the last eight weeks. That basically goes back to when Martin took over. The Toronto power play, I mentioned this in the picks article because I wrote about Austin Matthews. Toronto power play, 15.1 goals per 60 minutes going back to Christmas. That's better than Edmonton's. Like, they've been absolutely torching opponents. Um They've been drawing some more power plays. Like I said, Ottawa's uh, been fairly undisciplined as well. Like, if anything, if I'm even strength stacking out of this game, it is the Nylander, Tavares, Bertuzzi line, but it is a power play stack from the Toronto side that I like best. So, like, Matthews, Nylander, Marner, Matthews, Tavares, Nylander, like, something like that. It is expensive. Um, They're going to be higher owned than, like, Edmonton. Um, But I think there are a lot of cheap spots on this slate that we can go to. There are a lot of cheap one-offs you can use as well. Um, I really like the Toronto power play matchup here tonight. So it's a Toronto power play stack for me and probably nothing from the Ottawa side. Yeah, which sucks because, like, Toronto penalty kill is awful. Like, I like I, wa- I watch some of their games. That- Jake McCabe sucks. Holy shit, is he bad. But the, 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 the reason I'm bringing that up is because Martin is an idiot. 
because like he's running these two power play units. They're splitting them up. They're running them 50-50. Low, if you want to play them 50-50, go 60-40, load a unit, and then put that second unit. I understand like they're they're it's a lost season. They're trying to figure out what they have, but Martin Martin has nothing in between his brain, like in between the ears. Like, stop playing Norris on the top line. Give Grieg a chance up there. Give Pinto a chance up there. You know what you have with Norris. A third line winger making seven million dollars a year. Let's move on. Holy moly, I am angry. Chicken soup is boiling. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is the deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Anyway, if you want to sign up for NHL Premium, click the link in the chat. And what do you get with that? I'll tell you. The best NHL data and tools in the industry. You get player and ownership projections. You get top stacks tools. You get line combinations. You can get access to the Discord. We have some uh, interesting characters in there. Uh, we have a good time in there. We have a lot of strategy talk. Uh, we have Che Guevara in there. You know, he's uh, – you fade his goalie picks and you just print money. That's just usually how you win. I haven't been fading his goalie picks and I've been getting slaughtered. You stack against his goalie, and you print. You get in the Discord for that. You go, hey, Chekavara, who are you playing in net tonight? And he'll tell you because he's a nice guy, and you just stack against. You don't need this. You don't even need anything else. No, I'm just kidding. But, like, but, but like, you kind of do want to fade his goalie picks. But, no, he's a good guy. We, we have a lot of characters in the, in the Discord. It is really a good time. And uh, appreciate your support again. Let's move on before my head explodes. But this game sucks. Seattle cracking with a 2.7 total. Heading into Philly, the Flyers have a 2.8 total. Matty Benier is back for Seattle. This game's a five and a half, right? And Seattle's coming off the bye, which Seattle's already hard enough to figure out how to stack. And they're coming off their bye. It's not... It's not the best... Matchup. I know Philly's defensive numbers have been sliding. Um, I don't know, man. Like, I, I just don't love stacking Seattle here. And uh, I'm not alone. None of their lines are coming in above 1.4%. Three of the four are coming in under 1%. I guess, if anything, it would be the Bjorkstrand, Tolvin, and Gord line. Like, they've just been the best line all season. It's just no numbers don't lie. Puck don't lie. But again, like, I don't love them on this slate coming off the bye. Philly plays at such a slow pace at home. I Like, if, if they happen to get, they're like your last stack in and your MME, fine. But, like, I'm not running out to play them. The Philly side's a bit more interesting. Victoria Atkinson tippet line coming in negatively leveraged, 6.3% top two stack, 11.4% uh, ownership projection. I don't love that, right? Because Seattle is just a good defensive team. And they also play at a slow pace. 
So I don't love playing negative leverage Couturier here. If I'm going to go to a line, it would be Farabee, Frost, Konechny. I, I, listen, like Konechny is one of those players you could just one off. I don't think you need a full stack. I think you go Konechny, Farabee, Frost, Konechny, something like that. I just don't love this game from a DFS perspective. It just screams low scoring, slow pace, choppy hockey. So this is more of an MME game for me. Yeah, I'll I'll start on the Philly side. Um, I did write up Owen Tippett in the picks article. Uh, been doing more research into him like this week. He's like he's guy. yeah, we, we talked about it on Thursday. He's been one of the best players in generating off the rush. Like that's one thing about this Philly team is like you know, they have been a really, really good defensive team for most of the season, both at 5-1-5 and on the penalty kill, but they're also like an exciting offensive team. Not all the time. Um, sometimes they can play to a little bit of a slog, but like you have Konechny, you have um, Tippett, you have Farabee, like Morgan Frost is coming in his own. Sean Couturier is still a good off- uh, offensive player on top of his defense. Like, you know, they have some exciting games. Um, I just don't know, like... Seattle coming off their bye screams like Seattle struggles to generate offense, but just clogs everything up defensively. Like that's just kind of like what I'm thinking. Like Seattle was a really good defensive team beforehand. Now, you know, coming off the bye, they have to travel, you know, from the West coast, like maybe they're going to be a step behind or something like that. But you're right about the Philly top line and and the negative leverage, 11.4% ownership for that Philly top line feels really high to me. Um, like to stack a Philly line coming in, <clears throat> pardon me, with nearly double the ownership rate of their top two stack. And then on top of that, it's a line without Travis Konechny on it. Like that's one of those things where I, I, I think I can get away from that one. So I agree with you on the Konechny, Farabee, Frost line. Um, Konechny and Farabee in 115 minutes together this season. Farabee's another one of those like really underrated players that I think if he was playing 18 a minute, minutes a night in Colorado or something, like we'd be hearing a lot more about him. But Konechny and Farabee over 115 minutes together, 82 shot attempts, 3.2 expected goals per 60 minutes of five on five, 4.1 actual goals. Like they are really scoring. Um, Farabee has 33 shots in his last 10 games. Konechny has 31. These guys are both over three shots per game over their last 10. Um, Some of that time spent on the top line with Couturier, but like Morgan Frost is turning into a good offensive center of his own. Um, you know, I do worry about Seattle just kind of clogging things up. Seattle doesn't take a lot of penalties. Actually, Seattle, Seattle takes by far the least minor penalties uh, or has been over the last eight weeks. But, you know, you don't stack the Flyers for their power play anyway. If any, if I'm stacking anything, I agree with you. It is that connect me line. But I think it's one-offs that I just like best on the Philly side. It's taking a one-off tippet or a one-off connect me. Um, you know, I, I think even a one-off Joel Fairby can work. That's kind of where I'm at with Philly in this matchup, like if it was like basically like 28 or 29 of, of, of the other teams aside from Seattle coming in, I would probably be playing Philadelphia here tonight, but I just think it's a brutal um, matchup against a really good defensive uh, Seattle squad on the Seattle side. Like I'm just not playing them. <laughs> like I'm not stacking anything. Like I agree with you. If I, if I were to stack anything on the Seattle side, it is that uh, Gord Tolvanen in uh, Tolvan in York strand line coming in. Um, 1.7% top two stack, 1.4% ownership, uh, 3.9 expected goals per 60 together since Christmas. Like they've really been generating pretty much at will against every, every anybody. 
I don't imagine they're going to see much of that Couturier line. I imagine that Couturier line either goes out uh, against the McCann line or the Beneers line. I don't think they're going to see much of them. So you do get those second line matchups. But um, it, like coming off the bye, first game in 10 days, coming from the West Coast against a great defensive team, against a great penalty killing team. Like there, I, it just feels like there's a lot of reasons not to stack Seattle here tonight. So I think even one off, like one off, this is a game where I'm going to be one off and guys like one off Bjorkstrand, I think is fine. Um, one off Jared McCann. I'm never going to say no on the other side, like one off tip at one off connect me. I just don't think this is a game unless I'm MMEing. Like if I'm playing single entry, I don't think this is a game where I'm going to stack. It's just a game where if I do a three, two, one, then my one guy, I don't mind taking from here, but I'm not stacking anything. Yeah. You'll never say no to McCann. You know, said no to McCann, the Leafs. Anyway, I mean, so did, so did Florida and so did Vancouver. So, in Florida's defense, it wasn't when the computer boys were there. Yeah, that's true. But Vancouver did trade him. Forget what that trade was. Oh, it was Eric Branson. That's what it was. Jeremy McCann for Eric Branson. That that worked out. Everyone loves a good Branson once in a while. I don't know why. They don't love a bad Branson. That's for sure. He sucks. But man, that is still the greatest offseason story in a while. The reason. Johnny Gaudreau's in Columbus is because it's of Eric Branson. Eric Branson got $16 million because Johnny Gaudreau likes him. It's, it's amazing. Yeah, it's, it's incredible. But anyway, Pittsburgh Penguins with a 2.6 total. Heading into Winnipeg, the Jets have a three total. I was at first taken aback, and then, you know, I calmed down. Uh, Pittsburgh has the lowest total on the slate, which is crazy because Columbus is on the slate. Uh, Seattle is on the slate. I guess that's, you know, Arizona's on the slate. But, like, 2.6 total. Vegas is finally respecting teams going into Winnipeg. They are an excellent team. They have a very good goalie, even though, you know, Brossois got lit up as chalk the other night. It happens. It's hockey. Pittsburgh played yesterday. They lost to Marc-Andre Fleury. This is interesting because Winnipeg moved Nikolai Ehlers up to the top line in Gabriel Velarde's spot. So, Velarde's on the second line with Monaghan and Perfitti. The way uh, Winnipeg matches at home, that Connor Shifley Ehlers line is going to match up against, you know, Malkin, Smith, and O'Connor or the third line matchup, right? Third line actually looks like it's going to be a pretty decent line with Pooley Arvey there. We'll have to wait and see. He's only played like nine minutes in, in the two games. He's still getting his legs under him. But the Malkin Smith O'Connor line, uh, you know, with Smith there, they're good offensively, but it suffers defensively when Riley Smith is there, which is surprising. Um, because he was excellent in Vegas last season. He just has not had a good season. But the point is, if Connor Shifley Ehlers are going to see that line, I am interested uh, in Connor Shifley and Ehlers. Also, you know, you could go to Velarde, Monaghan, Perfitti. They're 14-5, which is almost fillerish. You're going to see, you know, some of that Malcolm line, some of the Ehlers line. You can. I just prefer to go to Connor Shifley Ehlers. I, I wish Ehlers was on the top power play unit, but the, again, this isn't the best power play spot. Pittsburgh has a good penalty kill, so I am in on Winnipeg 1. Pittsburgh side, I don't have a ton of interest. The only thing I would say about Pitt 1 is they're coming in with almost no ownership, like 2.1% projected. 
And for that reason, with the fully correlated line, I think you can play them in your MME portfolio. I know Winnipeg's penalty kill has gotten a bit better, but their penalty kill still isn't the best. That's the way you can take advantage of playing the Jets. So I would have some pit one in my MME mix. Yeah. Um, Pittsburgh is, is kind of an interesting case here because they're going to see that Lowry line of five on five, the Crosby line is. Crosby line, like, you don't want to talk about trading chances. Yeah, like, Brian Russ was injured, so they haven't played a ton of time together but uh, lately. Um, but 65 minutes together since Christmas. Uh, 79 shot attempts for, 76 shot attempts against for 60 minutes. Like, that is absolutely bonkers uh, pace. Uh, as we always say, like, around 120 shot attempts for and against per 60 is, is fairly high pace. These guys are over 150. It's absolutely wild. Um, you know, Crosby has 43 shots in his last 10 games. It seems like he's almost trying to will this team to the playoffs. But it's not like it's not. I mean, you don't stack Pittsburgh for the power play anyway because the power play really hasn't been that good. But um, the Jets really don't take a lot of penalties either. Like you talk about their penalty kill getting better, and I think part of it is also just not taking a lot of penalties. Like three minor penalties um, taken per game over the last eight weeks. Like that's well below the league average. That's amongst the lowest eight teams, if I'm not mistaken, off the top of my head. So. I don't like. I, I don't really have a ton of interest in pit one. If I was playing twenty lineups, like I might have one or two of them, just because there won't be any ownership and they do have a very good line um, that can get there. I just think like if I'm going to like they're twenty one thousand six hundred. If I'm going to pay up, like we'll talk about Edmonton in, uh, in a, a couple games from now. I would probably just go find like the extra $1,700 and play Edmonton instead. Right. Like that's just kind of the way that I look at it. Um, so I, I'm not in so much on Pittsburgh here. Um, again, if you're if you're playing MME, obviously you're going to have some penguins. I just, this is a very brutal matchup. Winnipeg is, I, I think aside from Carolina, probably the best defensive team in the league. So, and you know, unlike Carolina, they have Connor Hellebuck and, you know, not the Zamboni driver in net. So, um, like I said, like, can he post an 850? If he can post an 850, maybe you should sign him. David Ayers at 46 years old, whatever he is, could post an 850 for Carolina. I'm convinced. Um, it is the Winnipeg side that I do like here. Uh, I wrote up Winnipeg back when I thought it was Valerity uh, in the picks article. It doesn't change a lot for me. Like it's not a perfectly correlated line anymore with Ehlers there, but it's not like the Winnipeg power play has been very good. And the Pittsburgh penalty kill hasn't been elite of late, but has generally been pretty good this season. And, you know, Winnipeg doesn't draw a ton of power plays anyway, but I do like that Winnipeg top line. They're up to about 80 minutes together with Ehlers there. Um, 3.4 expected goals, 81 shot attempts per 60. Um, I'm not really worried about any of the matchups on the Pittsburgh side. Like, yeah, maybe you run into that Eller line. And I think, I honestly think an Eller, Poole, Yarby, Raquel third line is going to be a pretty good third line. Um, but I'm not super concerned about it uh, on a road back to back. Ehlers' ice time have been going down of late, but that was with a healthy lineup. And he was on the second line. And the second line sometimes gets used as the third line. Um, now that he's on the top line, I feel pretty confident he's going to play 16, 17 minutes. 
I really do like Winnipeg one here. Um, I did write them up in the picks article uh, for, for a very good reason. And they're not coming in with a lot of ownership, four and a half percent ownership uh, on Winnipeg one. Um, you know, the problem that I have with playing Winnipeg two, the Velarde Monaghan graffiti line, like I said, they're basically at the third line. The only reason they might get quote second line minutes is because Monahan and Velarde are on the top power play unit. Right. I, I, I bet if we look at the five on five time, by the end of the night, you're going to see that Velarde Monaghan graffiti line uh, amongst the bottom six forwards. So without a ton of ice time coming in a little bit over leverage and at 14,500, like they're filler ish. If you're playing an even strength Toronto line, you can use them with them, but you can't use them with Tampa Bay. You can't use them with Edmonton. If you're playing with, with them with Toronto, go ahead. Um, but other than that, like, who are you playing them with? Like, maybe Nashville. We'll talk about them. Like, maybe one of the Los Angeles lines. Like, there's just not a lot of lines that I would want to play them with anyway. Uh, so, for me, it's Winnipeg 1 uh, that I like best in this game by quite a bit. Uh, if I were to play anything on the Pittsburgh side, I would just go with the very low on top line. But it's the Winnipeg top line that I do like best in this game by uh, by quite a bit. Agreed. <clears throat> if you didn't know, and if you don't know, you and you're watching this show, you have to be living under a rock. The Super Bowl is tomorrow, and if you are interested in MMEing some of these ginormous prize pools tomorrow, there's like 712 million guaranteed in the in the main showdown. Should uh, get those NFL sims. I click the link in the chat. You can uh, get those NFL sims. You can simulate. Up to 10,000 lineups if you get the max package or what you need. Ship some money and uh, be happy. Also, MMA today. Uh, the card starts in an hour. So, But next week we do have a uh, nice pay-per-view. I'm going to try to get my uh, video out earlier. We had inter- I had internet issues, obviously. But uh, I'll try to get out in the middle of the week uh, this coming week. So stay tuned for that. Let's get to these last two games here. Arizona Coyotes, 2.8 total, heading into Nashville. The Predators have a 3.2. 3.2 total coming off a bye makes me very nervous, especially with, you know, veterans, we'll say, with Forsberg, O'Reilly, Nyquist. If it was like a, a super young team and they're just super happy to be there, you know what I mean? Could be different. But, like, these guys coming off a long layoff, you just never know how you're going to get a start. And, like, the data supports – the scoring being down, this and that. Obviously, there's outliers on any statistic, but and th- they can certainly get there because they are fully correlated, and it is a very good power play matchup. They're 19k, 14.4% top two stack, 11.3% ownership projection. There, they have positive leverage. They're fully correlated. It is an excellent power play matchup. So, like, I get it, but I'd rather play Winnipeg one. I, I just think you know. Winnipeg's been playing. I, certainly you can take your shots here because, you know, of all the teams coming off bye weeks, I think this is easily the best matchup. So I think if you're going to play any of the teams coming off a of bye, it would be Nashville here. And it would be Nashville one. I don't have any interest in Novak Tomasino glass at 10.4% projected. Like, I, I just don't. They're 8,800. Like, sweet. I'd rather play... Essamont at 7% than Cody Glass at 10%. I think if you want to one-off Novak, go for it, whatever. If you want to eat that ownership, fit you in something you like, you do it. But not for me. I am in on Nashville 1. 
I think the Arizona side is is interesting, right? Because they they looked awful coming off their bye, but they had a they have a game under their belt now, and this is also a good power play matchup. And Genther Hayton Cooley 10K flat coming in with almost no ownership uh, raises the eyebrow a little bit. I think you can also go. I, there's three, honestly, there's four playable lines here. But if I had to go in order, I'm going Hayton Cooley Genther. Then I think. Keller, Schmaltz, McBain, and then Kraus, Bukestad, Michelli. I think all three are playable. All three are a little bit different price points. They're all fillerish, to really fillerish. But um, yeah, I, I think going back to Arizona here, while their ownership is still really low, coming off a bad game is a nice way to uh, get a low owned combo in. Yeah, I, I was kind of surprised to see Nashville that high owned. When you see their total, like I, I guess that makes sense. Um, you mentioned the ownership. It is high, 11.3%, 14.4% top two stack. Notice I brought Toronto up there for this reason. That Nashville line is only $800 cheaper than Toronto. Um, Toronto only has a little bit more ownership. Both lines have positive leverage. So I look at it this way. Do I want to play the Nashville top line coming off their buy, like they haven't played in 10 days, Um against Arizona or do I want to play the Toronto top line who have had a couple games under their belt since returning from the bye facing an Ottawa team that is coming off the bye of their own like that's kind of the way that I look at it like if I'm and they're both coming in with similar top two stack percentages similar ownership rates similar price um I just think it's a better spot for Toronto so like if I'm going to play a line in that price range uh, at that ownership and that top two stack percentage and all that, like I'll, I'd rather just go play Toronto. That's kind of the problem that I'm running into. Um, you know, the Nashville top line was on a tear. Uh, like we do have to get that, you know, straight. Like this was not a line playing poorly or anything like that. Nashville top line was at 3.4 expected goals, 4.1 actual goals in 180 minutes since Christmas uh, heading into the all-star break. Like that was, they were playing extremely well. Um <laughs> They are all over 20 minutes a game in the six games heading into the break. Forsberg had 26 shots in those six games as well. He was over four shots a game. Like, he was playing extremely well. Um, Again, if it was this time next week, I would probably be playing Nashville here tonight. I just think coming off the bye with a similar lines, similar prices, similar upside and all that in Toronto, I would probably – I hate saying I'd rather go play the Leafs, but I think I'd rather go play the Leafs. That's just kind of where I am. I don't want to play a 10% Toffee Novak or whatever. It just sucks that they're going to be that high owned because I think Novak, Tomasino, and Glass, like the problem with Nashville is they mix up their lines every game. Like the, the lines that they start with are almost never the lines that they finish every single game. That's kind of the problem with stacking their depth. It's the only the top line that stays together. Novak, Tomasino, Glass, to me, looks like it would be a good depth scoring line. I just have concerns that they're going to get 12 minutes and then be broken up by the middle of the second period. Like that's just kind of what it is. Like I, I think one-offing anybody in the Nashville depth, Sissons, Novak, uh, Tomasino, any of them, any of those three is perfectly fine. Just don't know about like just full stacking. Uh, it is the Arizona side that I am more interested in. I don't, I don't think I'm playing Genther, Hayden, and Cooley. Like, I know, and by the way, I know they're listed as a fourth line. They got 15, I think 13 to 15 minutes in that last game. Um, Genther up around 15 minutes, if I'm not mistaken, because he was on the top power play. So, like, these these guys aren't getting, like, nine minutes or whatever. Um, 
And Genther and Cooley have been have been playing well. They're up to 115 minutes together, 58 shot attempts, 450 against. So carrying the shot attempt share, 2.9 expected goals, 4-2 against. So carrying the expected goals as well. Genther has 25 shots in 12 games since getting called up. So he's definitely getting involved offensively, even if he's not getting a, a, a lot of heavy minutes. I just think I, I would go to the top line. Like I worry that Hayden's eventually going to take over. I think he even got a shift there towards the end of the game uh, in their la- in his in his first game back. But they were they are playing well with McBain. Like I do want to see Hayden there instead, but you can't really argue with the fact that with McBain on the top line, the top line's at three point two expected goals, four point one actual goals per sixty minutes. Like that's really good. And the problem is, is like even with Hayden, when Hayden was there, it was like the, the top line wasn't scoring basically until like the last couple of weeks before Hayden got hurt. Like the first month of the season, they were struggling. So I, I, I kind of don't mind that Arizona top line. It sucks facing off against Ryan O'Reilly. Um, but again, off their bye, not a terrible power play matchup. Um, you know, coming in at 5% ownership, but honestly, 5% ownership for a Keller and Schmaltz line. In a, on a seven-game slate, like, I think that's perfectly fine. I wrote up Clayton Keller uh, in the picks article. The five-on-five five scoring had come around. He was over three shots per game uh, in the 10 games heading into the break. Um, he's a lot more expensive on FanDuel, so I think it's it's a little bit of a question uh, of what to do on FanDuel, but not so much on DK. So I really do – if you want just one-off Keller, I think one-off in Keller is perfectly fine. But I like Arizona's top line. Uh, the best in this game. I think the Cooley line is perfectly playable as some sort of filler type if you're playing Edmonton or Tampa Bay. I think Nashville 1 is playable because it is a really, really good power play spot for them. Um, but like I said, if, I, if I'm going to play a line at like 19K or whatever, I'll just go play Austin Matthews. Yeah. Leave off Marner, though. He sucks. <laughs> no, you can definitely... I definitely prefer the Leafs. I definitely... I don't definitely prefer Winnipeg, but I, I would. I think I would play Winnipeg over them. It just coming off a of bye always just makes me nervous. Let's get to the last game of the night: Edmonton Oilers with a three point three total heading into LA. The Kings have a three point one. Uh, Edmonton won last night in Anaheim. They didn't really travel. Like Anaheim is next to LA, so they didn't go anywhere. They're just. You know, the, the bus takes you to a different – you go this way instead of that way. You're in the same spot. This is an interesting matchup. Kings coming off a bye. And we have Lowe and McDavid. Makes me nervous. 3.5% projected for Edmonton 1. Like, and I get it because Tampa Bay is in a, a really, really good spot, and L.A. is pretty good defensively. It's just goalie issues. They're coming off their bye. Edmonton back to back on the road. But, like, 23-3, goalie correlated, 3.5% McDavid. Like, what, what do you even say there? I, I really like them. Um, it annoys me that they moved Fogel off the second line. Because now, like, Drysaddle, Kane, Perry, like, there's no way that the line's going to be good defensively now, which kind of gives me some interesting – some kings here. It's just, like, I don't – don't love it with them coming off their bye. Edmonton's penalty kill has been great. Stuart Skinner has been really, really good of late. 
I, I think you could play, you know, more Fiala to know. I just, I, again, like I, ha, like I'd rather for that 17, four, right. I'd rather go play Carolina one. You know what I mean? Um, it's just, it's a tough, like Edmonton in the beginning of the year, you pick, you, you stack against them. Now they're just good. But like that, that dry sidle Kane Perry line, like, there's no way that line's going to be good defensively. And I want to get, I want to stack against that line with a line that doesn't have a ton of ownership right now. I just wish the Kings weren't coming off their bye. So I was, uh, I did go out of town yesterday. So I, I got us doing a lot of driving. I, I, I usually, I mean, I usually don't listen to NHL radio, but I happen to be listening to NHL radio. Since Jay Woodcroft took over, well, it's been almost three months now, I think, because I think it was November 18th. Or Jay Woodcroft no. got fired. Not blocked. Oh, wow. sorry. Yeah. Um, I think it's been almost three months now. Uh, it was November 18th that, um, that they made that change, if I'm not mistaken. Edmonton is allowing the fewest rush shots against of any team in the league. This is a team that stifles the opponent through the neutral zone. Um, Los Angeles... Like their prop, like one of their problems with scoring over like the last five or six weeks, especially the top line, was that they couldn't really create anything off the rush. Um, and Kopitar, like he's you know he's not a young guy. He's like thirty. He's like he's, well, not a young guy. He's our age. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like it, he's not a guy that can really uh, you know go grind uh, in the offensive zone. Quentin Byfield can, but Adrian Kempe, he's he's fine. But you'd want him shooting. You don't want him necessarily. Uh, for checking and grinding uh, below the, you know, face-off dots, um, you know, coming off their buy and all that. Like, I just, I just don't have any interest in playing Los Angeles. It really worries me when they bring a new coach in and he leaves everything the exact same. And it's not a new coach. Like he was the assistant coach for Todd McClellan. Defensive pairs are the same. Top six lines are the same. They, you know, they might've shuffled some deck, tear, deck, deck chairs on that bottom six uh, that they call you know, the Titanic in the bottom six that they call their third and fourth lines. Um, but that really doesn't do anything for me. Uh, like, I don't have a lot of interest uh, in the Kings here tonight. They're coming in, like, they're coming in with positive leverage. I, I want to, the top, with the top line, I want to see them get better before I start playing them, is, is one thing. Because it has been, two, like, two months now that they've been struggling to generate any sort of quality. And, if you're not generating quality and you're playing against a team that has elite rush uh, defense uh, and you're coming off your bye, ha not having played in 10 days, I'm wondering how you're going to create against this team. So like I'm out on the Kings, um, you know, one off Fiala, I think you can do uh, one off Kempe, I think is fine. Like things like that, but uh, I'm definitely not stacking them. It's the Edmonton top line. I, I do like the Edmonton top line here tonight. You know, the Kings top line have been playing good defensively. That's the one thing that they have been able to hang their hat on. Here's the thing. <laughs> Over Los Angeles' last 18 games, going back to um, Christmas, their penalty kill is at a 936 save percentage. You and I always talk about anything over 900 is regression territory. And even, like, really good goalies this season are at, like, 880. This team's at 936 over their last 18 games. And they're coming off their bye week and they get the Edmonton Oilers. Like, is there a better spot for that regression to start kicking in than tonight? Right? That's one thing that I was really thinking about. Uh, McDavid Hyman and Nugent Hopkins, um, 
they're not scoring, but it's because they're shooting under 6%. They're shooting under 6% as a line since January 1st, but they're still at three and a half expected goals per 60 of five on five. Um, McDavid has 48 shots in his last 10 games. Uh, I really do like Edmonton one here. Um, if you want to get away from a, a, a much chalkier uh, Tampa Bay, if you have some filler lines that you like, there are some filler lines that we talked about that I do like here tonight. I think this is it. This isn't what I would normally go to for uh, an, an Edmonton stack, like this particular matchup. But Los Angeles coming off their bye and with goaltending that is screaming regression on the penalty kill makes me think this could be a good night for the Edmonton power play. I want the Edmonton power play, guys. I like the Edmonton top line here. Yeah, and they're low-owned, which is just like, you know, medicine and, and that's what makes that's what makes you know some of those filler stacks more palatable like you know the the stacks that are like two percent top two stack but six or seven percent ownership you can get away with that because you're playing at yeah, three four five percent edmonton top line it's true it is true let's talk about some defensemen shall we we love our defensemen Top of the board, Roman Yossi, 7,200. Everyone else is under 7K, under 6,500, except for Bouchard, who is 6,500. The guys who stick out, literally, I think the top five most expensive guys on the board are playable here tonight. Yossi, Bouchard, Wierenski, Hedman, Riley. I like uh, Bouchard, Hedman, Riley the most, but I think Yossi, like the team's coming off the bye. Like you play the defenseman, it's kind of like playing against the Sharks. Like the defensemen are going to play a lot regardless. So, but Bouchard, Hedman, Riley stick out. Yossi and Wierenski definitely playable. Who else you like him? Yeah, I have Yossi. He is projecting super well. But again, like I'm just worried about Nashville coming off their bye. Hedman and Riley are the two guys at the top of my list. Obviously, Hedman for, for very good reasons. And Riley, because just because that Toronto power play has been so good. And Ottawa coming off their bye with a team that's bad defensively. And their penalty kill is not that good. So, and. They take a lot of penalties, so I really do like Riley. In the mid-price range, it's Burns and Dursey that are sticking out more than anything. Um, Burns, like him and Slavin, have been an excellent defense pair. With Sveshnikov back, um, helps his power play upside a lot, so Burns and Dursey in that mid-price range. Jacob Chikrin as well for Ottawa. Feels like this is one of his games, uh, just to rack up a bunch of uh, shots and blocks, but not really get any points. Um, Josh Morrissey, I think he's fine, finely priced, but that mid-price range, it really is Burns and Dursey that sticks out. Lower price guys, Jamie Drysdale running the top power play for Philly. You know, pretty bad power play matchup, but it is Seattle coming off their bye. Maybe they can get lucky. I did write up Jacob Slavin in the picks article, especially if Brett Pesci is out tonight. I do like Jacob Slavin, but um, he's he's rating well anyway. Our boy, the Zoo, he might have to block a lot of shots tonight for Ottawa, so don't mind him. Uh, if you want to pay down, super cheap. Uh, Eric Chernak. All the way up to 2,600. Um, still getting ice time uh, with uh, Mikhail Sergachev out. Uh, David Dayarnay playing on what I guess would be the top pair now for Edmonton, playing alongside Darnell Nurse. I think he was almost at 20 minutes last night. Stoneman, uh, $2,500 punt if you need one on DraftKings. Yeah. And uh, block bonus in four of his last five games. There you go. Let's talk about some goalies. We have to. Yeah, I was going to say, do we have to? Yeah. Some people might get mad. <clears throat> let's, uh, let's check out the goalie list here. Sucks. <laughs> it's, <laughs> just a, it's just a giant red yeah. X through every single day. 
the, the most three exp- the three most expensive goalies: Andre Vasilevsky, Kochekov, Marty Jones. Like, there's no reason to pay off for goalie. I played Igor last night, but there's no reason to pay up for goalie. <laughs> um, Connor Hellebuck at AK interests me. I know people are like, hey, you know, every time I play him, he turns into Smelly Buck. He's going to win the Vezina. Everyone yells at me about the goalie picks after you, you know, after lock, you go, uh, you know, play it, video it, games or. It's the best. Yeah. I just, I just go like lay down on the couch. Maybe I'll play some video games. Maybe, I'll, you know, I'll always have hockey on. I'll just let them yell at you. Yeah. I, it's fine. Like better them yelling at me than my wife yelling at me. She doesn't yell at me, but like, yeah, anyway, Stewie Skinner, 7,800 does interest me. LA's had a tough time scoring. Now they're coming off their bye. He has been very, very good since uh, Chucky Knobloch. I know his name's not Chuck Knobloch, but. And it is Riddick, Riddick in goal for the Kings tonight, you know? And it's Cal Peterson for the for the Flyers. It's just like, I, I can't play those guys. Like, Yari's an interesting play at 7,400. You know my feelings on Yari. I don't love him, but at that price, I think you can play him. Going back to Ingram. Makes some sense here as well. I know he got absolutely he got yanked on a goal that got overturned, which is hilarious. But you know, going back to him, I think is fine. I don't know if I want to go below that. Like it's just dicey. Yeah, I wrote up Joey Decord uh, in the picks article. What I mentioned is that the average shot distance he faces at five on five is further than any single goal, any other goalie, regular starting goalie in the league. Um, Philly definitely has had trouble scoring uh, a lot of the times this season. Tough coming off the bye, but uh, don't mind Decord as long as he stays under 8K. I like both goalies in that Winnipeg-Pittsburgh game. I hate to bring it back to that night, to the night when Connor Ingram got shelled and pulled, but it's another one of those, like, if Pittsburgh wins tonight, I don't think it's because they beat the Jets 6-5. It's because Tristan Jari has a pretty good game and they went 3-1 or something like that, right? So, I don't mind Jari for cheap. Going back to Connor Ingram, absolutely. I think it's perfectly fine uh, against the Nashville team coming off their bye. I do have Stuart Skinner fifth on my list, so uh, he's acceptable. But it's the Cord, Ingram, and then the two goalies in the Winnipeg-Pittsburgh uh, game that I have uh, the most interest in. Yeah, I mean, like, of all the goalie slates, this one isn't awful. No. Besides, no. Like, if you have someone you like, you play them, like, there's no way, there's no good way to project goalies. There's no good way to tout goalies. It's you kind of you go off matchup. If there's some volume, they're just mythical creatures. So we do our best. Who are you looking for your hat trick pick? Uh, do you remember uh, four check, back check, tro check? Yes. I uh, I got a new one for you. Grip it, rip it, and tip it. Let's <laughs> with Owen tip it tonight. So rip it, uh, rip it and tip it. Yeah. I had a really bad joke. I kept it. <laughs> yeah, I, don't think, I don't think you should say what you're thinking right now. Yeah. <laughs> it it would have been great pick. if Spencer was sitting in my lap, I would have said it. That would have been that would have been perfect. But he is upstairs living the dream right now. But um I am gonna go Nick Schmaltz. Ooh, that'd be something. I do like the Mjotes here tonight, the Desert Dogs. I know uh, Josh Anderson's – not Montreal's Josh Anderson, our Josh Anderson. If he's watching, he's he just did a little fist bump. Yeah, and, you know, the reason he got traded from Chicago is he wasn't shooting. 
now he's a very good player. Chicago does that a lot. Go look up Chicago's all-time trades. It's been a disaster. I don't know why I'm just shitting on the Blackhawks right now. But anyway, <laughs> we will be back Tuesday, I believe. Uh, we're still on that. NHL still doing their yeah, thing where it's like 4-19. I, I, I think I heard there's 46 games next week and like 35 of them are on Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. So it's... Yeah, we'll see you Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. Uh, Valentine's Day is on Wednesday. We'll talk about it on Tuesday, but good luck, everybody. Click that link uh, if you're looking to go premium. Smash the like on your way out. I've had quite a show. Uh, good luck, everybody. <laughs> good luck tonight, everybody. <laughs>